Welcome to the Strength Rehab Podcast. Join your hosts, Raul Axmayer and Brandon Parker, as they discuss the latest information regarding the health and fitness industries. Topics include sports performance, physical rehab, and of course, general health. Remember, this is the podcast where science meets practice. And we're back for our, from our two-week hiatus. Raul, what have you been up to? Just busy life, man. Work or internship, however you want to call it. Gym and stressing the hell out. What about you? <laughs> I think you definitely uh, encapsulated exactly what's going on in my life. Um, I think our gym lives are a little bit different. I think I have where you might be having stress relief from your gym. I'm still kind of stressing with the gym life. <laughs> it's adding stress to your life. Right. Because like, you know, with building a new gym, it's kind of like, oh, man, I wish I had this or I wish I had that. And I'm still trying to acquire a, a flat bench so I can start doing the leg curls and leg extensions. Dude, Amazon, it has one for 45 I bucks know, or something. I and know. it has like 10,000 reviews, I think. Yeah. How well, How's it, the... It, Go ahead. I was just saying, in my cart, I have the, the flat bench and then I also have... Uh, that attachment that we were messing around with at Greater Fitness for the quad extension. So I have it in my head on how I'm going to do it. It's just like, you got to pull the trigger, Brandon. So now I'm just doing this internal battle of like, do I complain for the next two weeks or do I pull the trigger and pay the money? You know, I say pull the trigger. Yeah, I might as well. It's the only, it's the only area of my life that I could blow off some steam and I'm just adding more steam. <laughs> How's the home gym setup going on and the training? That's different yeah. than a commercial it's gym. So different, man. And I'll tell you what, like it's making me more creative in a good way because, you know, we do plan on doing uh, online consultations in the future and people are not going to have a complete access to gyms, right? So it's making me think outside the box of how I can put more tension through an area without having access to loads or different vectors that machines supply. Um, so, for example, uh, my my setup right now is just a squat rack, bench press, a TRX ring, like rings, um, a couple bands, a pulley machine, which is a game changer, which is just kind of just two pulleys and two uh, iron wires and, and a couple of handles. And I'll tell you what, guys, like if you're at a home gym and you don't have a pulley system, it's worth the investment. So I got that. And then I have some dumbbells. But uh, uh, and a kettlebell, like so. Basically, I had just these uh, sparse equipments that I didn't really use over the years, and then I had the stuff that I acquired as of recently. So I have enough to get the job done. But just to circle back as to what I've been doing, it's like, for example, like yeah, I mean, like legs, you can only do so much if you don't have machines, right? So I've been doing like old school hack squats, which has been like weird, right? Like the like you know the initial the the original hack squat was when somebody would put a weight behind their back, and then you would squat down and and kind of go up on your toes, almost like a sissy squat essentially, but you're loading it from the back. I've been trying that out; it's been going great. I've been utilizing a lot of blood flow restriction training as well because it's just like I'm lifting at 5 a.m. in the morning, and to just get to that level of I need to build up these metabolites. You just don't really have that in you at that hour, you know, pre-coffee, oh, yeah. pre-everything. Um, so, yeah, it's been very interesting. I'm still trying to find myself. Uh, I think I'm at the point where I'm going to start doing two-a-days where I wake up at uh, currently now. It. It's gonna, right, 5 a.m., 30-minute session, get like like uh, three 
sets in, or I'm sorry, three exercises of like quality. So what, uh, so for example, if I'm doing a push day, I'll make sure that my, my horizontal pressing is done, like, like, you know, toasted, uh, maybe some shoulder, uh, like vertical pressing done, toasted, and then I'll come back the next, uh, afternoon or this coming afternoon. And then I'll just finish off all the accessory muscles. You know what I'm saying? Keeping it into 30 minute blocks, um, not necessarily for the added benefit of recovery, just but more so because like that, that's my lifestyle right now. I just need to get in, get out type thing, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And you got to do it however you want, honestly, however you think is better. And if dividing it, it's like walking, walking one hour straight, dude, it's boring as hell. So if yeah. you divide it between 30 and 30, it's more enjoyable. So mm-hmm. it's the same thing with lifting. At the end of the day, it's the same amount of work that you're doing. It's just personal preference. Mm-hmm. When I when I got on the whole walking thing, like I'm like, all right, I got to get my steps in. I just I was like, oh, let's do it at the end of the day. And it's just like <laughs> I, I started like with 2K steps. I'm like, I got to get to 10K. And yep. then I'll do my walk and then I'll check my phone. I'm like, what? This thing's not moving. <laughs> yep, That's what I, what I currently do to get my steps in. Um, If I hit 8K, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. So I wake up. At six, I prepare everything for the day, and then I walk from six to thirty to seven. So okay. right there, just with a cup of coffee, like slow walking, it's like three thousand steps. And I walk a lot at the clinic. So and then at the gym while I'm resting, I just walk. And yeah. that right there, I don't even have to get an extra walk per day just because it's a lot of steps. Yeah, it's titrating exercise. I think is one of the most underrated things. But I, I guess like I guess maybe it's because it's underrated. It's like titrating resistance training isn't realistic yeah. for people, you know. So maybe that's what it is. But hey, you can start doing push-ups. You can start doing air squats. Something. Yeah, and, and it'll definitely add up. I guess it's like instead of doing steps, you do how many quality sets, right? Yeah, it's I the mean same that's, thing. that's interesting. You still there? I lost you there for a bit. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. I don't want to go off a tangent and you didn't hear a single thing. But there I we hear go. You. There we go. Yeah. Oh, okay. Now you hear me? I hear you now. All right. Awesome. So, dude, our gym, out. our gym lives are completely different. I'm having a lot of fun with every single machine because <laughs> at the gym that I'm going to, it's like two minutes away from the clinic. Uh-huh. It is an amazing LA Fitness, which is almost never the case. Yeah. Um, It's kind of like old school. And it has everything you need to do. Pendulum squat, which I was looking for for months. Really? Hack squat, like a good leg press. I'm like, dude, I'm in heaven. I'm, <laughs> I'm hitting like heavy legs too with it two times per week just because of the pendulum and the hack squat alone. I mean, honestly, it's incredible. Yeah. See, that's the one thing. Like, uh, that's when we left Elite, you know, the the box gym. And we it only had like, a couple of select exercises or machines. I was I was in heaven when I was at the the VA rotation. Really trying to use all the hoist to my benefit, and then dude, when hoist I came machines home, give such a great contraction. It's just that that Steed little leg counter, curl, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that 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 little counter tilt. It just yep. it gets that little bit, you know. It's amazing, um, and people hate it, but I love it. Yo, speaking of hamstring curl, the um, I, I'm working with a lot of clients right now that like they're heavy set, sure, and a couple of them are police officers, believe it or not. And uh, I'll I'll be like working on their their hips just because I'm doing manual therapy with them. And the the second they go to a hamstring curl, they cramp. It's like this is a this is a a prone hamstring curl with no weight, and you're cramping. Imagine if you went to go run after a suspect, you know, like 
like you you're a hamstring tear waiting to happen and so i've been working i've been because <laughs> i've told you my hands have been hurting right so what i've been doing is like i've been titrating exercise into my manual therapy work because my my hands are hurting so much yeah. so i have these people that are cramping on their hamstrings they're in the prone position and i'm like all right bring your heels to your butt all right, now fight me. And I'm literally doing manual resistance, and I'm, I, I'm making them sweat. They're doing, like, three sets of exercises on the table, and they're like, well, I've never done this before. These feel great. I'm like, That's your hamstrings feel yeah. mellow? Oh, dude. We, dude. we know that isometrics do that. Why don't we save our hands, you know? Exactly. Um, and now that you say that, it's not only jump up. Even athletes undertrain their hamstrings. Mm-hmm. That's why you see runners getting a lot of tears and hamstring uh, injuries, strains, sprains. I was I was seeing that at uh, Bethune Cookman when I was working there. The guy had a torn PCL, and and I, I was like, all right, well, we need to make sure that the quads and hamstrings are firing adequately, right? And let's just see how they can do it. I'm gonna do some manual uh, resistance with them. The second I placed him in a uh, fully short p- position, cramped immediately. And it's just like, granted, granted, you're probably never gonna act. Very rarely will you find yourself in a fully contracted position in football. Sure. But if you do, you already have a torn PCL. You have no, like, you know, support around that link of all the other ligaments. So we've been working on that as well. Yeah, I completely contest to what you just said is like, it's, it's the forgotten muscle group. Yep. And it's because you don't see it in the mirror, right? I think. Um, But now that you say fully contracted, I believe there's a merit, even if, you're not going to be at a fully shortened position at your sport or at your daily life. I think there's merit to training every single muscle group in its shortened position and on its lengthened position just mm-hmm. to get the best of both worlds. Um, yeah. I know this is not a biomechanics uh, podcast, but I do love the topic. So I had to bring that topic into I, I, the I 100% agree. I mean, and especially because you got to consider just like if, so, like, I always play devil's advocate if anybody says, like, oh, well, you don't actually find yourself in that position. Well, it's just kind of like if we're talking about a collision sport where, like, you you literally are running full speed at each other and dropping your shoulder on each other, you don't know where you're going to end up. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And and both exercises or, like, shortened versus lengthened, they hit a different part of the muscle. One is more proximal, one is more distal, and you still need to have a strong and resilient uh, distal and proximal parts. It's not like mm-hmm. you only use one part of the hamstrings. Maybe in deceleration and acceleration, you use different parts, so you gotta mm-hmm. be uh, strong overall. Yeah, yeah. And and also, uh, I was reading Brad Schoenfield's, uh, I think it was his book, or Maybe it was just an article, but like he was talking about how eccentric exercise, like eccentric phase of the contraction singles a different style of muscle growth. Like, it, you know, so it's just kind of like, well, if, if eccentric and concentric are separate, why wouldn't the fully shortened position and the fully lengthened position? You know what I'm saying? I, I, I'll yep. leave that on the table until I understand more about the subject. But there's plenty of reasons why you should be accessing different ranges of motion and different peak contractions throughout the same uh, muscle group yep something that i've been really enjoying is because you know the whole research thing about how seated leg curls are more quote-unquote anabolic because of fully lengthened position yeah um right now when i train legs i do hamstrings like for example a prone leg curl which is shortened position and then i move on to like heavy rdls and the contraction on the rdls is way way much better Mm-hmm. And I know that people say, oh, you got to do big compound movements before, but 
if you do heavy RDLs and then you move on to prone leg curls, you're not going to get the same stimulus. Because if you right. train it on the shortened position, that's not too fatiguing. Yeah. But you're still getting yeah, right. some tension. So it's just a couple things that people don't understand, but I think are important. That was uh, one of the rationales that, uh, you know, one the client that we're working with, one of the clients that we're working with is, um, you know, she had trouble finding her hamstrings in the RDL. And she also had limited weight. So I just had her you know, stand up or find a maybe lean, like a forward lean position where you can, she can just squeeze <clears throat> the ever living crap out of her hamstrings in between the sets of the RDL. You know, they might say like, oh, well, you're pre-fatiguing the muscle or like you're, you're kind of making it so that they can't lift as much weight during the set. But at the end of the day, as, as you mentioned, is like finding that, that internal connection to the muscle is, I, I mean, it used to be properly rated because you know the old school bodybuilding like that's what all they focused on and then it started to get titrated down once more research came out and everyone started to focus on volume and then it kind of like got shot to the background but obviously like serious bodybuilders still kept on to it but you don't see it talked about as much you know which i find is very crazy yep you know and building muscle is all about tension honestly <laughs> mm -hmm. um and Moving the more weight that you possibly can is only important if you're training for a powerlifting or strength specific. But when it comes to hypertrophy and uh, muscle building, mm -hmm. you don't need to hit uh, to lift heavy weights. Yeah, and and that's the thing. I also like think is another thing that's underrated. I mean, once again, bodybuilders still probably do it, the serious ones. But like back in the day, I used to do a lot of intraset flexing. I mean, like you know, obviously the bodybuilders do posing. But I would just flex. And Dude, just that, that. you're going to feel so sore after the day after. Oh, yeah. It's nuts. Like, And I used to do it all the time. And that I, I, I can attribute to that being the best time where like I can, you know, I can sit there and, and no, no uh, movement of my elbow or anything. And I can contract my bicep, my tricep, my forearm muscles without doing anything. Because like that mind body connection was so dang strong. I lost it since then because now, like, when you're flexing at a gym, people are like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. And you got to get over that. But me, I'm just like, I don't I don't need the extra eyes, you know? <laughs> but, yeah, my muscle connection, very important. Yeah, it's. I think that one's underrated. I'm trying to think what else is, like, underrated in the fitness community that people – because everyone shoots for the glam, man. Everyone's just like, what is the most flashy thing that I can do in the gym so people can be looking at me? And it's just like, well – I know what – I know what's underrated rest times, dude. I don't see why mm. people only rest 30 to 60 seconds if their primary goal is building muscle. That's a recipe mm -hmm. for failure, dude. Like rest at least two minutes, at least two minutes. Yeah. If you're doing yeah. compounds, if you're doing accessory movements, yeah, 60 seconds is fine. I agree with that. And, and that's that's a great point. Yeah. When it comes to rest times, because everyone, once again, back to the flashiness, everyone wants to be doing the hit training because it burns more fat. Also it's, overrated. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it's kind of like all it's it all kind of comes back to the instant gratification of like, what's the fastest thing I can do for results? But I mean, you could sell me the Brooklyn Bridge and you can say if you do one hit session, you are going to be shredded and I would still not do it. Like I'm like, no, that sounds absolutely miserable. I'd rather just torture myself via like pinning myself. So, for example, you would do this at crunch back at uh, St. Pete would I would do the horizontal bench press. But I would set it up so like it literally like I had to reach back to get into the bottom position 
So it was already at maximal tension. And then what I would do is make sure that I wasn't arcing at that time. So like when I get it to the top, then I get into my arc, bro. And I get to that bottom position it, and, and this is going to sound terrible, but it felt like everything was tearing, you know, that much tension was being placed to the area. And I'm just like, Oh yeah. You know, like this feels great. <laughs> and then I had to wait after two, to, like everything was basically numb in a good way after like one set that I'm like, I don't need to do five sets. I can just maybe even get away with two sets here. Cause this thing is fried. You felt like Arnold when he said that, uh, getting a good bump is better than coming and having sex. <laughs> I, you know, I wonder if he thought that that was going to go as viral as it did. I it mean, was super viral, dude. It. I mean, it, it, when you're the greatest, per, like the greatest person at that sport at that time, and then you on, on like you're on a national documentary and you just basically talk about your sex life and compare it to the thing you're best at. Yeah, that's the perfect viral success, like success formula. <laughs> Dude, I think Chris Bumstead is the new Arnold. He's so famous right now. Yo, I mean, the, the physique that he brought to the table this year. Very impressive. Dude, I was very impressed in person. It is crazy. Is it? I know that uh, like seeing pictures is like, wow, this guy is a monster. But when I saw him like with my eyes, I was like, dude, you're a monster monster. Yeah. You could see every single striation. I I heard the, the lighting at the Olympia was garbage. Was that true? At the final stage. So I didn't go to the finals. Um, oh, okay. I went to another stage. The lighting was great. But at the finals, dude, it had like, it was like a cinema you know like a lot of different lights hitting from different angles different colors and that just messes up with the the like the paint they have and the angles yeah. it, it was just bad yeah man you couldn't that's see it good. correctly yeah the, it was very shitty lighting and there everyone they were just looked flat yeah and you couldn't flat? and you couldn't see like the striations like for example on the live video you thought they were watery you couldn't see, see anything but when you saw pictures, it was like, dude, you were shredded, shredded. And it was all the lighting. It messed it. Yeah, they messed it up. You have one job. You literally, you are. <laughs> Biggest competition of the year. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, that's nuts. I mean, like, it's, you don't mess, you don't mess with the down lighting. The down lighting is the most important part, like, in all, so in all optics, right? So, like, whether it be music videos, YouTube videos, movies, or, like, you know, a sport where it all relies on your appearance, you need to make sure the lighting's on point. I've been watching videos where they're like, you have a shitty camera, but check this out. And they just mess with the lighting a little bit. Dude, the camera Game went changer. from looking like, yeah, it looked like it was like a potato at first, and then it turned into, like, a 4K view. It was just like, this is what lighting does, but it makes a lot of sense. And for... The Olympia to mess that up. Like, how'd you not have somebody just pre-test it? Like, bring on some amateurs. Like, hey, stand right here. We need to make sure this is on point. You know? Mismanaged. Mismanaged. All bad, my money bad. back. And I didn't even go. <laughs> uh, you ever think that you'll uh, get that serious in the bodybuilding? Nah. I would have to do steroids. Right, yeah. I, there's just something about naturals, like g good, you know, all power to them. It just doesn't look great when they yeah, when they cut. I I wouldn't pay to go for to go to a natural, uh, nah, bodybuilding I show. I want to see the biggest guy there, you know. Yeah, the, the, I I think that like 
I guess maybe that's what the the swimsuit one is. Uh, life is it lifestyle? What is it called? Physique. Physique. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like they're they're not as cut. Uh, I think like when you're natural, bringing it down to that very super stringy. Obviously, like you know, you eat some carbs and you're more quote unquote full. But you're not fucking full. Like like yeah. you you see the mass monsters. That's full. Right. Um, if you don't have I, like, I amazing genetics, better. you won't see you won't look great if you're a natural, honestly. It's just you even if you nail your peak to me personally, maybe just because I've been so inundated by the, the, the mass monsters, it's you look stringy. You look stringy. I would rather you uh, be carved up and like maybe like, let's just say like six percent, seven percent body fat. See what you can bring to the table like that super full. And I think that that is something that I would look for if you're in the naturals, because like just oh, like yeah. if you can like if you can re encapsulate what it would look like if you went to the beach, you know what I'm saying? And like that guy looks good, you know, that's something I'm looking for. I'm not looking for super stringy string out guys and in, in speedos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like I think um, I. I'll get serious into it, but not into competing. Um, okay. But I think I'll like once I gain more weight and more quality muscles, I'll probably lean down and try to stay there, like look very, very good. But yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens. But I'll never compete. No, I just I think Sporting the idea of right, but I just because you know you have to pay that there. It's a pretty penny to get on stage one. Two, you got once you get your pro card, you have to pay for the pro card and maintain the pro card. So it's like I'm paying this to maintain it, which I have to win, which means I have to eat all this food, which means I have to pay for all this additional stuff to get back on stage. If you love it, all the power to you. I just think that I'd rather look really good in today's world of social media. If I really wanted to put myself out there, I can't. I don't need a, a body uh, like a you know bodybuilding show. I, and exactly. a lot of people don't care about the bodybuilding show unless you were actually in that world, you know? Plus, if you look good, it's easier to sell on social media. So that's something right. that you have to consider. With a lot of with a lot of clients, it's just kind of like they're not ever, unless they're getting serious about getting into a show, they don't care if you've done a show. They just look at you and be like, all right, clearly you know what you're doing from a lifestyle and fitness uh, standpoint. Can you walk me through the steps? And you know? the majority of Gen Pop just wants to look better. That's it. Mm-hmm. No it, stage it, lean or anything. You know what bothers me is like when I get a client and they're just like, I was like, all right, so what are you looking for? And they're like, to lose weight and put on muscle. It's like, all right, I am literally can give you just the most generic program ever and you're going to get that. Can you give me another goal, please? That's great. <laughs> that's an easy client, dude. Right. But it's just kind of like, it's I and, and that's the thing. I always say like, if that's it, that's fine. But like understand that we can gear this towards a, a goal that you never thought was once obtainable. Um, but yeah, I just got like, so for example, like I usually get that goal out of them. I had a, I had a client just wanted to lose weight, put on muscle. And then it was, I was like, anything else? He goes, well, I play soccer. I'm like we're working on your hamstrings or at least we're going to make sure that you never have an ankle or hamstring injury. Work on his <laughs> you know? doctors. Also a lot of growing injuries in soccer. Exactly. So like that's that's at least like it it takes the the generic cookie quote unquote cookie cutter program and, and at least gives them something to work towards because what separates us from a cookie cutter program other than the auto regulation every week 
but yep. they won't see that. They don't see that at all because for to the untrained eye, what there's no difference between us just saying, all right, do a little bit heavier or we change the reps. They just listen, you know? Yeah. I think so the I, highest, the best, the highest quality that you get from paying us is just the constant communication and understanding what's going on and learning about it. Cause you can do any program, honestly. Right. When you're a newbie, you stare at weights. You, you put on weight, you know? Yep. Um, and that's and that's what I always have people. I and I upfront I ask them like, how long do you plan to spend with me? And then they say, to be honest, maybe just the three months. Like I say, okay, in that three months, uh, the first two and a half months, I will be doing all the training or the programming. I want you to ask me all the questions because those last two weeks, you're programming yourself. I'm coming in. I'm going to ask you why you did that, and then you're going to explain to me. And if you don't have a reason for why you did it. Maybe it doesn't belong in the program and it just makes sure that I'm doing my job and teaching you how to do it, you know, and they, they seem to love it because it's just like at first people might be thinking like, wait, aren't, aren't they paying you to do this? And it's like, yeah, but you're also teaching me to teach you. So I need to make yeah. sure that in practical application, you know how to do this. And we had some technical difficulties. Great. So anyways, last thing I think I was saying was, the last two weeks I have my clients do all the programming and then I put them in the hot seat to make sure that they truly understand that they're not just either one copying the things I did weeks prior or, or two, just throwing arbitrary things out there. And as long as they give me a legitimate reason as to why they did something, I go, you know what? You seem sound in your thought process. You're good to go. You know, yep. um, do you do anything similar like that? I don't let them do their program, but kind of indirectly I do because, um, on our initial consult, I just ask them what they love doing and what they hate doing. Number one, because I don't want to program an exercise that they absolutely hate. And number two, because I want to program the exercises that they love. So they indirectly um, choose their exercises or at least some of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Do you have a lot of clients that are just um, physique related where like, you know, like sets and reps or oh, well, reps rather or the rep ranges are kind of just up to them or up to you rather? yeah uh all of them except one <laughs> um yeah i just give them rep ranges and i work on the 6 to 10 10 to 15 yep. sometimes even 20 plus yeah uh, but yeah i just choose the rep ranges myself i don't let yeah. them choose them yeah the my implementation of teaching uh them would kind of falter a little bit if they're like you know health uh, health and lifestyle and physique type thing because it's just like why'd you pick that rep range the, Cause I like it good. You know, you know, yep. like, it's just kind of like, all right, as long as you, you hit your RPEs, I'm, I'm cool with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I had a, I, so I have a coworker that was asking me like, I have should I be getting doms? Like, like all the time when I hit my back and I said, well, is it every time? And she, and she says, yeah. And I'm like, what do you do on your back? And then she's doing that cliche, like deadlift on back day type thing. And then she matches it with legs afterwards, like legs the next day. I'm like, that is not a good program design, but long story short, I, I was just like, look, I don't want to intrude on your trainer. You know, that's how they feed their family. I just want to give you these like big guidelines to make it very simplistic, you know? And basically I talked to her about proximity of failure said, when it comes to reps, I want you to pick your preference, pick your preference at first. You know, obviously we can explore different rep ranges to give you a, some versatility, but at first personal preference, what's your favorite rep range? Get to proximity failure. 
and we should be good there. Then I told her about splitting up her volume, like, you know, stop doing one day, do multiple days because then you won't be all so beat up. Right. And then the last thing I said was, um, I think, what was the last thing I said? I basically just said that, like, if you're overly sensitized, some people just get fried, you know, like some people will train, let's say hamstrings. And then after the fourth set, they just feel like garbage or the, the muscle has already reached f- fatigue. It's like, if you're that person that's overly sensitized when training back, just split your back day up across the, the week. Don't no longer have a quote unquote back day. Just hit it high frequency once a day and you'll still get your volume in. Oh, that's the last thing I said. I gave her the generic. You should be hitting at least 10 to 20 sets. Uh, start at the lower end if you don't know where you're at and build throughout. And, um, I, you know, I gave her that whole spiel. And she was just like, wow, that seems so simplistic. It's like, well, because it is. The, the, the hard part comes in managing the client. And it seems like this guy's not managing you at all, you know? It is simple. It is very, very simple. It's, we, we are the accountability we are the the guiding light, but you know it's we're not these gurus. Exactly, <laughs> you know, exactly. things have already been done. You know, the seventies already happened. People have been running, you know, an, like anabolics for years. And when, I don't know about you, but if I were to run anabolics, like now that my health is on the line, I'm gonna make sure I know everything oh, yeah. about everything. So we can learn from that era. They've already done a lot of things. Now we're just seeing research kind of confirm the things that they already knew. Yep. <laughs> and the same thing could be said for, for rehab. It is very, very simple. Uh, mm-hmm. it, I, honestly, it's so simple that it's tough sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah, there's nothing fancier magic. Right. And, and so like, so for example, the the they, rehab is very simple we have like you know, a flow an easy flow that you can follow because you know biomechanics don't really change well they don't change rather it's um you know the where the the issue comes in is like preference you know like if i told somebody like look you have a knee problem it seems like when you squat you don't really have a large amount of discomfort you only have a little bit let's see let's just chase the stimulus a little bit and see if you can adapt over time i don't want to squat Oh, okay. Now I got to go to the drawing board. Do you want to do this? No. Okay. Do you want to do this? And then ideally as a clinician, you find an exercise that's on that continuum that they want to do because sometimes people don't want to do anything. And then you have two roads that you have to travel there. There's a fork in a road. One, do you just kind of give in and say like, all right, whatever, man, it's your health, it's your money, so on and so forth. Or two, do you Jedi mind trick them? (laughs) <laughs> you know like all right so you know your knees are hurting sure whatever we're gonna do some manual therapy here and then the whole time i'm gonna sit there and i'm gonna do manual resistance on those goddamn hamstrings because one i'm still gonna get it to relax two at least you're getting some stimulus into that area so i can sleep at night <laughs> yeah i was gonna say something about that and i just forgot my bad i always do that to you it's my mind <laughs> Oh man, but it's um, it's interesting. Oh, oh. Go on. Something about rehab, something that I've been doing with clients and just people that ask me is that for example, a guy yesterday told me, so when I walk um like 15,000 steps, I get pain in my mid back. And I'm like, "Okay, is the pain tolerable?" And he was like, "Yeah, it's like a 1 out of 10. It's not really bad." And I was like, "Then why do you care? Like, I would just not think about it and keep doing what you're doing if it if it ends up bugging you more, like we can do something, but you don't need to quote unquote rehab or seek professional help 
just for aches and pains that are tolerable. That's part of normal life. Exactly. Exactly. And one of the ways I always kind of throw it back into them is like, so for example, if I were to do that scenario, I had something similar. So I know like how this would typically go is like, you know, oh, you know, if, if the body were trying to speak to you, what do you think it would be trying to tell you? Well, you know, I don't really do 15,000 steps, but I decided that I felt real good because the weather was nice outside. So I did 15,000 steps. So maybe I just overdid it a little bit. Like, you know what? I think I think you got the you hit the nail on the head there. Maybe let's, you know, let's dial it down a little bit and then we can bring it back up later. And then that's it. You know, like <laughs> that's exactly what happened with the client that I was just telling you about. Um, He walks 15,000 steps on the weekends, just like 5K on the weekdays. And I'm like, that's three times the amount <laughs> that you're doing. So you're not prepared. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. It's like it, deadlifting 100 pounds every single weekday and then on the weekends do 300 pounds. Maybe <laughs> you have the strength, but your tissue will not like that, you know? Right, exactly. And it, it's going to – I always, like, think about it like that. It's just – all right, so for, what, what, back to the running and the, and the walking is the big conundrum that I'm seeing with a lot of runners is they don't understand that cardiovascular speaking, we adapt so damn fast, right? Like from, from workout to workout, like remember when I started running – from literally workout to workout, my time was getting better and I wasn't pushing at all, right? But what was holding me back was all the structural changes that need to happen over the course of weeks, right? My Achilles tendon and all like all that needs time to adapt to all the force I'm placing through it. And you, you can't, when you're doing stuff like that, especially with running, you can't do what you just described, right? I'm going to keep it real easy on the weekdays and then just fucking kill it on the weekends. Your body's not going to adapt to that. And I'm glad some runners know that, but like most runners don't know that and they just blame it on their running form. And then they're stuck thinking about their shoes, right? Oh, right. Oh man. Don't get me started about the shoes, man. They're running on clouds. You see those fucking things that (laughs) I just, if yeah, I just can't believe but people don't know better, honestly. It's not their fault. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And they need a, they need good guidance. But it's hard to find good guidance because once people get into their profession, they find it hard to continually, continuously learn or continuously go out of their way to find new techniques that might fit a different client. Um, I hope we don't get like that. I don't think we'll get like that. Hopefully, but I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, because we'll is, just... I just want to dedicate my life to get people yoked. Yeah. And forget about rehab. You know, that's that's a catchphrase that I use. Like, I can help you uh, overcome this injury. And at the same time, you'll get yoked. And people like yeah, exactly. it. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Well, because it's the same. You're, you're going down the same road. You're, going, you're fucking down the same road. You know, it's kind of just at the end of the day, you put tension through a damn muscle. It's going to grow. Right. So exactly. it's just like, all right, well. We might as well, you're in the gym, you know, because you needed this equipment. Why don't we do the same exact thought process with everything else? You're here. Let's just knock it out. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And, um, you know, obviously, then we could talk about how the average person is practically full of core morbidities and just inactivity and stuff like that. Yeah. So, And I don't believe anyone needs or everyone needs a rehab program. If they just hit the physical activity guidelines everything's mm-hmm. going to get better their blood pressure their chronic pain their everything yeah and just and, oh yeah i had a guy that very go ahead go ahead i know you might forget what were you saying <laughs> alzheimer's man um <laughs> we saw it with our our client she had been dealing with neck pain for a while and we got her into a 
program, honestly, not quote unquote specific to the neck. We're right. what a month and a half in. She has no pain anymore. Exactly. But it's due to a multitude of reasons. Who knows why? But it's simple, man. Exactly. And that's what I was going to say. It's just like, you know, we, we can apply maybe this general uh, physical activity to the person. When I say general, it's like we're still giving a tailored program, but it's, it's general, right? You're covering all your bases and then that can influence their sleep. Now that they're like, you know, they're not full of energy. They come home, they're dead ass tired. They go to bed. Now they have quality sleep and we know what sleep can do. Right. And that's just one factor. That's one factor of all the things that influence this thing. Yep. You know, it's, um, yeah, I think sometimes we make it too complex because at the end of the day, like our, the state of our nation's not that great. And if we just focus on the very simple things, we look like magicians. How did you fix this? I you agree. fixed it. <laughs> yep. Oh man, I, it's getting to the point where it's like drink more water. <laughs> you drink know, more water, like... get more steps in. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for your hundred bucks. Yeah, and it's just kind of, it's just like people forgot how to be a good human being. <laughs> but I think um, clinicians and people in this industry underestimate the um, how powerful some education and recommendations can be. Yeah, that can get the job done for honestly. The vast majority of gen pop. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I agree. And yeah, I, I that's 100%. Education goes a long way. But I think the only thing that I would say with that is just, and then you get those people that are seeing 100 people a day. And it's just like, all right, that education now gets so watered down that it's no longer true, you know? And then like, like I've seen, I've seen doctors so behind the eight ball that they, they kind of tell the patient something that's not necessarily super true. But they have, they'll still listen to what they have to say and do the action that the, the person wants, if that makes sense. So like, all right, how would I explain this? A lot of people might say like, oh, you know, I'm putting this deep pressure into your glutes to turn off your glutes because they don't want to explain it. But instead of it's just like, I'm putting deep pressure into your glutes to stimulate a relaxation response to modify your symptoms, you know? But like if they're behind the eight ball, they just say, I'm turning off your glutes. And then that turns yeah. into much more problems down the line. My glutes oh, yeah. are turned off, you know, <laughs> my ass cheeks are off. Can you turn them back on? <laughs> Find the switch. Yeah. Yeah. I believe so, that a lot of pain problems are iatrogenic, especially chronic. Yeah. And that's sad. It's sad and scary, but, you know, but it is what it is, you know. It's, you know, it's just like what you say, it has a big, big driving factor on the, the care of the patient. And, but the thing is like some people don't get, people don't want to pay for it. And then you find that, that, that mid grounds like, all right, well, I need to get my people fed. And then I also really want to help you. But if you don't want to pay for the services that you need, I'm going to do my best here. You know, yep. right so now I'm at the point where if people don't want to pay, I just give them general advice. But if they want specific advice and recommendations, just pay me. Right. You don't go to Walmart and ask for a discount or for free stuff. If you right. want help, you're going to pay me. I'm the professional. You need the help. Exactly. And it's that, see that right there is, you know, yeah, I, it's, it, that's the something that I'm, I'm working on and I'm, I'm getting much better at it. Cause it's like, if, like, go ahead. Go on. There you go. If you think about it, we already give a lot of free information. Right. So it's not fair that you pay 200K for a degree and all of your knowledge and all of your mm -hmm. time to to basically rehab someone for free. That's that's right. not fair. You know, I've been doing that. I've been To doing hell with that. 
<laughs> I've been doing that, but hey, you got an Instagram? You know, like every time, every time they're just like, oh, I don't know what to do X, Y, Z. And this is like outside the practice. Uh, I, you have an Instagram? And they go, yeah. I go, here, follow this page. I don't even say it's mine or yours or anything. Hey, just follow this page. It's great. And, and I leave it at that. And I just say, like, if you like listen to this stuff, like, you'll probably feel better. <laughs> I don't know if it actually results in people following it, but <laughs> who knows? Maybe. I mean, as long as it gets me to, out of that conversation as quick as possible, it's effective to me, you know? It's like, yeah, hey, read this. Bye. Yeah. It's just like, because like, you know, if we wanted to talk to a CPA or a lawyer about their expertise, at the very least, we got to invite them to coffee. We got to invite them to dinner. We got to, we, we, there has to be a reason why we're meeting up. And typically speaking, because they're giving valuable advice, you cover the bill, you know? So it's just kind of like, hey, if you want my advice, you know, buy me a burger. <laughs> Yeah, and buy me a cup of coffee, and I'll right. chat with you. Honestly, I don't see why not. Every single time that I ask my mentors to meet, even if they don't ask me to pay for anything, I just pay the money because the value that they're giving me is a, a lot more than just 10 bucks for a cup of coffee and a donut, you know? Exactly. And then, you know, obviously, and like, like you know, flip that vice versa. It's like this kid's paying paying for me, you know? And it's just like this kid actually values my time. Even exactly. though it's it's not reciprocal. Like, you know, the value that they're giving is much higher than the donut. It's the principle of the matter. It's like, okay, he respects and it's the why time. behind it. Yeah. 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 And you know, I think that's something that everybody needs to get out of their own way when it comes to ego is there's always somebody out there that could teach you something. And, um, one of the age old devices I got from, believe it or not, it was a homeless man on the side of the street. I was <laughs> like getting on the city bus and every, every day I would get on the city bus and he would be there and he goes, never stop listening. If anybody has something to say, listen to it because out of all the things they say, you might find that one gem that changes your life. At the very least you're sitting here anyways, <laughs> you could just say, all right, that was a crazy conversation and you wipe it and you'd never have to think about it ever again. But the opportunity to find that one gem can change everything. So that's why you your life got changed by a homeless man. And that's so it. That anything can happen. Exactly. And the same guy, though, the same guy, I, he was on, I think he was on a lot of drugs. He was, he was on the city bus. This is months later. I don't even think he remembers talking to me. He was chewing on a metal fork. Yeah. So, yep. So one of my life mantras is developed nice. by a homeless man that was chewing on a metal fork in the city bus. Who cares? <laughs> good advice. Good advice. Oh, uh, yeah. I thought it was very insightful. So I don't know if you read a f fortune cookie or something, but like I was like, well, this he memorized it. Yeah. <laughs> memorized it and told it to you. Oh, man. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we could put a pin in this one because, you yeah. know, I'm going to see you tomorrow. So, yep. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right. Let me hit this button.